0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take you all the way down
1: in New Orleans this time. Competition is on. 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 Competition is, on. Competition is, on. Competition is on.
0: Competition Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard to Paint with David Grubb, and joining me for the first time in a while, my brother. We go back to the beginning with this thing. Uh, it's usually it used to be Marlon Mondays and Faye Fridays. And uh, he's back again, the one and only of Favorite, man. It's good to talk to you again, brother.
1: Man, thanks so much for having me on, D-Grub. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, as I was climbing up that, that ladder broadcast and broadcasting, you shared your platform with me, man, on a, on a major level and, and locally, and I appreciate that.
0: Hey, bro, you know, we're family, and in this business, you got to support your people. Um, and like I said, if somebody's doing something good, somebody doing something positive, they busting out and they're working, you know, you've had my back. I've had yours. And um, that's just how it goes, man. You know, you, for, till, for, till the wheels fall off. Till the wheels fall that's off.
1: That's right.
0: Um, you also, look, and, and the music is blowing up. You know, it started, like, people don't realize. You know, it, they, they see hello somebody now, and they think, oh, he put this out, and now he's just blowing up. Man, you started back in high school rhyming. And this is progress. You know, you you were making mixtapes back in the day. And, you know, to be back where you at now and having that become, you know, local smash, it's a thing that folks, it, it, it took a life of its own. It's not an overnight success. People, there was a lot of nights.
1: A lot of nights. And um, just to kind of give uh, some of your listeners a background uh, with, with me and foot and music. So I've been exposed to um, instruments and being an MC and, and flowing over beats since I was about nine or ten years old. And then I want to say, uh, like you mentioned, highest. So I was 14 when I worked on my first project, created a new with uh, Saint Joe's the Worker and Clark Knighton. and uh, that that really started for me. From there, it was all about trying to perform at the different talent shows at West Jeff and, and uh, on to LSU. So at LSU alone, be grub um, solo and group, so Black Venom, we dropped two mixtapes and an album, so that's three projects, and then we dropped a, uh, me and Kirsten Pittman, which by the way, Kirsten is actually performing with, on stage with me this weekend, we have to do the Southern and uh, LSU uh, Legends Party, along with Dwayne Boat, me and Kirsten did a project called Hip Hop and RB, so that's four, and I did three other combinations, so I did about a total of seven projects at LSU. How <laughs> long? You know, you got uh,
0: Flojay coming in on the basketball team on the women's basketball team this year, and we know—I she, mean, she's she's already you know signed to Rock Nation and everything. But you know, you were doing it back in the day, so you know, you know people people hear the stories about Shack with DJ Tables and stuff when he was there. But like I said, you was putting in work, you was putting out content. It wasn't no hobby you were, you were putting out content and it's still to this day. And it's, it's real cool to see you out on, out in clubs and stuff, performing, going to schools, going all over the place. And it's just, it's a phrase that people took and, you know, that you became famous for. And now to hear that, that becomes something that's like, it's in a time when, you know, after we had two years of COVID and, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the new Orleans area that's, that can beat that can beat you down. It's something that's positive. It's something that's uplifting. And like you said, it's just it, it, if anybody who's heard the track, it's infectious. It just gets in you, and it's it, it, it's it's a positive thing. It makes you smile, bro. And and our man Chris Hagen uh, directed that video for you. And Chris is part of the, the the sports family too. You know, took a little break or whatnot, but you know, Chris, Shout out to Chris Hagen for directing the video.
1: Shout out to Chris Higgin, man. We have some more videos to shoot uh, coming up here soon. And 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 thank you for your feedback too, D-Grub. That began to be what it was about, like making some music that's positive, making some music to uplift people. Like you said, we went through all of that COVID, and that phrase, which was birthed with the New Orleans Voodoo, uh, our team, uh, Chris Duval, Lorenzo Breland, Myself, Skylar Green, Durandus Fry. I mean, you know, that's something we said on the games after the bus, and for me to take it and bring it on the television for the games of the weekend, it just being my every, you know, catchphrase on ESPN. I was like, this has to get placed somewhere, you know. It can't just, you know, be trademarked or you know any of that stuff. And, and I'll never forget. Okay, so this I've never mentioned this on any interviews, but you're pulling it out right now, so. It was 2021, and it was about maybe three or four weeks before Hurricane Ida. So I had the flow of the hook in my head, and I had a verse, a, a idea how I wanted to run the first verse. So I was doing an interview on Inside the Trenches with Mouse on the track. Uh, for, for your listeners, Mouse produced uh, a lot of little Boosie's tracks, Webbies. Um, I mean, he's worked with, uh, you know, tons of artists, Lil Wayne, you know, of course, On No Ceilings. So, you know, this guy has a long track record of of, of production, you know, on his own songs, too. So, Mouse was like, on the show, you know, we can use these platforms to put people on the spot. Like, you know, I was like, Mouse, man, so I'm waiting on the beat from you, man. I mean, that's the only thing we're missing. He's like, I got you, I got you. So, Mouse ended up... Um, Mouse had ended up shooting a couple of videos and he had to produce some stuff when I was ready to work on that song so he couldn't do the beat so Deli Boy who produced about 60% of the album was like "Oh shoot Deli, really 80% of the album. Deli was like, well man, I got some beats we could do. I was like, yeah, let's 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 take it to New Orleans a little bit, too, because I was thinking the whole Baton Rouge. I, I kind of want that Baton Root feeling, too. So I got you. So I had a verse down, and I had a flow, and Deli put it on Facebook Live. He was making the beat on Facebook Live that day for me, and I was flowing on Facebook Live that day. That very next day, I went home, and I recorded it. So I engineered that song, uh, and we sent it over to uh, to Tom, uh, Tom Johns, who, who also, engineered the sounds and when he sent it back, I was like, this itty, bro. This, and I sent it out to a couple of people and you know, the, the, the reaction, and then it dropped. But to your point, the song is a year old. It, it, it's been out for since last, last fall and you know, to see it still continue to grow is just a blessing to watch.
0: Absolutely brother, and I, I just wish you more success um going forward. Um, Now let's get into the Tigers um you know we've had a few days of distance from from Sunday night in the superdome where LSU uh, lost to Florida State 24-23 Brian Kelly um has made his comments about the game and, and talked about um his observations um and certainly this wasn't the start that folks wanted to see um out of LSU and 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 we've talked about this really this was a game that was decided by the little things and people forget all the time. We talk about offense. We talk about defense, but I mean, this was game was, you know, you, you focus on the, the blocked extra point at the end, but it was a lot of the little things, you know, from two muff pumps, punts from Malik neighbors, um, the blocked field goal. And then of course the blocked extra point, but all the little things, you, you know, you had what? 16 missed tackles just on Jordan Travis, just on Jordan Travis, the Florida state quarterback, LSU did not look like LSU, the, the LSU that we've come to see over the years, um, especially physically. And and that's where I, I want to start. Just from the jump, LSU got out-physicaled by a Florida State team um, at the Superdome, and that was surprising to see.
1: That was very surprising. Um, I had a buddy of mine that played in NFL with me. He texted me, and he said, I, I never thought... In a million years, I would say LSU played soft and, and got out physically. And it, it made me think, and I thought about the years bef- before I attended LSU and even after, and I thought about the years 2014, 2015, 2016, right when Coach Miles was kind of going downhill um, in his career at LSU. Even in that time, you could never even see a Coach Les Miles' defense was soft. It's that, that, that salt never really went into the sentence. But when I went back and I watched the game again and, and look, took a deeper observation, I'm like, no, man, we, we're missing tackles. And, and it's you could tell it's some misassignments. Um, not to single anybody out. Um, again, these are young. They are amateur athletes still. They're paid amateur athletes. Hello, somebody. yeah, we go. That's I flew right in there. But in the same token they're still amateur athletes, so little mistakes like um, Malik Gardner letting his eyes get him in trouble on the trick play and they scored and, you know, just to show his athleticism, he still was in the area of the play, but imagine if he would have been alert and his eyes would have been in the right place. You look at little plays like that, that's a touchdown. So this game had momentum shifts, like being in the dome, we were all in the press box, and I was just paying attention. and. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh! That on the dome, like that Florida State crowd silenced the LSU fans. So you pay attention to that. That is an intangible in the game. That is a momentum shift in the game. So you pay attention to that as well. You, you look at the block, right? Where you saw we missed sixteen tackles on Jordan um, Travis. The offensive line for Florida State wasn't all the way up to par, right? But on the flip side, Florida State's D-line was all over Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels couldn't breathe. I thought that was probably, it's not about what I thought, it's about the facts and the statistics from the game as well. But that was the second best performance single game we saw from an LSU quarterback, second to Joe Joe Burrow. Having over 200 yards passing and over 100 yards rushing, not by design. So even though the numbers, and statistically, it looked well by design, they outphysical our offensive line. So to answer your question, yes, Florida State's defensive line outphysical LSU's offensive line. Their second level outphysical outphysical our mid skill guys. You know, 13 carries, 39 yards, and then on the second level which probably had the most consistent players. I thought Greg Brooks, West Bank shots out, census plug. Yeah, hello, somebody. Where's Jeff, too? That's a double win. Greg Brooks played exceptionally well, but I thought that he might have been um, in not-so-good positions to make plays. But despite that, I think as the nickelback, he played well. I mean, if, if, if half of the team would have play with as much energy and as, and as much fire as Major Burns... I think the outcome of the game is different because he played exceptionally well. The, the two cornerbacks, right? Converse and, and on the opposite side, um, Malik Gardner. Those guys didn't play terrible the whole game, but they did give up two big plays, which resulted into 14 points. So, you know, we could go on and on statistically, and you know, what happened and what the X's and O's showed in the plays. But when you boil it all down and simplify it, mean, they just – how physical to us in, in an aggressive sport is football, the team with the most physical typically wins.
0: I mean, even at the wide receiver position, Florida State was able to turn third and eight and throw the ball for six yards and the receiver could get another three to four after the catch, even after being touched. And, and that was just, again, that's, that's not wrapping up. Um, That's not being disciplined in how you, you close out plays. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, getting off the field on third down. These are all the critical things that you talk about. LSU lost the time of possession battle. LSU lost the turnover battle. LSU gave up more sacks than Florida state. LSU like third downs, 11 out of 17. You lose a special teams game. You lost in all the areas. The only where LSU beat him was they outrushed them in total yardage and have more yards per carry, but that's on the back of Jaden Daniels. So you look at this and you say, Offensively, we were out physical. Defensively, we were out physical. That cannot happen again. How much of that goes back into offseason preparation when you have this offensive line where Cam Wire is your most experienced player with four starts at this level, you have guys who who have not been together as a unit. Did the light work in the offseason and not having game zero um, to play against a, a softer opponent That Did did that contribute in your mind as a former player to the lack of physicality that LSU displayed?
1: Um, I can say this to that regard, I hadn't been around the new program to actually see how this workout program is, exactly how they prepare. I've heard from several players, you know, along the lines of constantly running throughout the day, I mean, throughout the week, taking days off from weights. Um, The part that stood out in this game to me more than anything else was how much more physical Florida State was from LSU. Again, unheard of. So, without pointing any fingers anywhere, just using my observation, as you mentioned, from my opinion, seeing and not talking, again, I still haven't met Coach Kelly. Uh, going in the second this is probably my first week in meeting him. Um I've talked, you know, of course, knowing Coach Frank, chopped it up with him. Cartez, know him, chopped it up with him. Um you know, knowing Tyron and and, and seeing the Kansas City Chiefs defense in past years. I have seen Matt Matt uh House work. But I know when Coach Tommy Moffitt was at the helms of that Strength and conditioning program, we would work. again, it coach Ed O'Geron five and five after the national championship. And then of course last year, you know, announcing he was out of there early. Even then, I don't see LSU's team being out physical on a bad year. But what I saw in one game so far this year, that looked like that may be the major difference. From my observation. I could be completely wrong next, I can't say next week because they play again, a lesser opponent, an FCS opponent, but when we play against Mississippi State and I see 11 guys flying around with the ball, fuck out, fuck out, making hits, making plays, then I can say, okay, well, that isn't the fact that we're missing, you know, our old strength and conditioning because again, folks who don't play football, who do what we do in journalism, when they make their observations and say things, oh, it's this, this and, that, and that, they don't look at that little spot right there like, okay, Coach Brian Kelly, in his respects, has won over 80% of his games at Notre Dame and has had his team in the finals. New BCS, old BCS, right? So he he has success as a track, as a coach, so check. Cortez uh, uh, Hankton, New Orleans native, you know, family right here from from this area, went to Saint Paul. Grew up down the street from my wife and my brother-in-law. Right, Cartez, yeah, just won a national championship with Georgia. He was the offensive coordinator, passing coordinator in that game. You have Carter Sherington back there. Was at the Saints under Sean Payton, well longer than Joe Brady. I'm not questioning any of that, right? Okay, let's go on the defensive side of the ball, right? You got Matt House. We saw we saw what happened with him. So, okay, now we see that the coaches know what they're doing, right? So now it narrows it down to, okay, I watched the film. Oh, I see that deep rub. That wasn't busted coverage. Man, how he dropped that? Man, he's not blocking well. Only one area left, and that's strength and conditioning. So I don't know if it's still TBA, but, I mean, just using my observations, that's what that's what it looks like the missing piece
0: is. I mean, and we know, look, Brian Kelly, you can't dispute his, his track record, but there's a big difference in playing Virginia and playing Air Force or Navy or, or going up against the physicality, and we saw it. You saw Georgia lost five NFL first, you know, players on their defensive uh, group, and they came out and looked just as fearsome. In week one. Yeah. Again, lesser opponents, but it's about setting tone Bama, which had we'd said had been less physical the last couple of years that Bama had kind of slipped maybe a little bit defensively getting back to that that way of just knocking people around. Like you said, there's going to be teams. This is the SEC and there's going to be enough of these defensive units and offensive lines. That's where that's where your bread is buttered. Up front in this down south, it doesn't matter. Nothing else. You can have media. We've seen teams with mediocre quarterbacks win championships in the south because they've had exceptional line play up front that created, you know, mismatches physically. Um, so I think that is the biggest thing for LSU. And it's gonna take time because you got a bunch of transfers and inexperienced people on that offensive line, but it's more surprising on the defensive line because a lot of those guys have been there. BJ O'Jolari been there. And he was dropping into coverage on occasions. And LSU was soft in the middle. There were times when Florida State was able to go right up the gut, up the middle. And then on those special teams plays where you got beat on blocks is because you allowed the jumper, not the inrush, not the edge. You didn't allow the guy to come around from the side with speed. You allowed pressure up the middle on your kicker. So LSU's got to tighten it up. Up front. That's that's that to me is the one thing that that, it, that we're going to have to watch all year, because I think you look at Jaden Daniels and we can start with him now. There's a lot to be encouraged there, um, like you said, some of those stats get a little padded because Florida State went into a softer defense down the stretch, but his poise, um, both in the pocket, knowing when to run um, and not leaving the ball hanging out there when he took hits getting out of bounds, knowing how to how to do that. You know, they had to teach Joe Burrow about that because Joe was out there taking licks. They even had to teach Jaden Daniels. He knew, to get out of bounds. I ain't taking these hits. Um, and I thought he, he, with what he had to work with offensively as far as the game plan, because I was surprised at the game plan. LSU didn't take a lot of risks offensively in the passing game. Uh, Kayshawn Boutique, Boutique did not get targeted downfield. They never really gave him an opportunity to to get downfield and certainly offensive line is part of that, but they didn't, you know, you want to see some jump ball situations. You want to see some, some opportunities, just throw it up and see if he can go get it. And I thought there was a little bit of a lack of creativity um, in dealing with that Florida state defense offensively as well.
1: Yes. There was a couple of moments throughout the game. I saw it looked like we kind of took the conservative route, And it started to frustrate Kayshawn Bouttea. I mean, you saw it on the field. He had the yellow gloves off a couple couple times. saw his hands stretched down, like, what's going on? So you look at it from that perspective, and they're not targeting Jack Batchmore. I mean, those are your two for shorthand guys. A lot of that goes back to the offensive line. And as cliche as it sounds, the game is actually won inside the trenches. That's where the game is won and lost. In the trenches. Don't any other game display that. This game that LSU played last week against Florida State exemplified that because you look at the field goal block. Two field goal blocks. You take... That kicker makes any one of those field goals, LSU wins the game. And now the conversation on um, the next day is... Man, Coach Narvell's on that hot seat. That's not about to be a conversation with Brian Kelly. We're building at LSU right now. Not with now $100 more years million.
0: We, that conversation ain't going to be had for at least six, seven years. You, you, there, Easily. there ain't no buyout coming for that $100 million contract.
1: Nothing. So, again, this is the long game, right? So you look at a coach like Coach Mike Narvell playing this close with a Clearly discombobulated LSU team. Mason Smith gets hurt in the first quarter. Out for the season. Um, I do think, I don't think I know, their offensive line outperformed our D-line. Period. It's times I got frustrated watching um, Travis in the back, Jordan Travis in the, in the, in the backfield. Very comfortable, not harassed. And then every time he gets here to harass 16 times they miss so you start digging into the game that way and it's like oh and then it's like you look at clemson and georgia tech game and it's like this should have been our score right here it should have been florida state lsu but that speaks volumes about where they're at in florida state as well but this is a learning experience for lsu um as a as a coach a former high school coach and a guy that still coaches you um, better now than later Right. Let's let's make that mistake. Game one. That's very early. I, I do think we have enough minds and it's enough cheers to move around in there to put the right pieces in play. And, um, you know, it, it'll all make sense from there.
0: Um, let's talk about the loss of Mason Smith. This is a guy who, you know, we predict, everybody predicted big, big things for him this season. Um, you know, a, a guy who could challenge as maybe one of the top defensive linemen in the country now he's gone um just talk about how how much of a loss that is for an interior and a defensive line like you said that 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 just got beat up
1: it's a it's a huge loss D grub you look at mason smith and what he was projected to do preseason right you, you heard all american he made the all SEC list he got the experience last year as a freshman Worked his tail off this offseason, you know, put in the miles uh, in the weight room, um, training, conditioning. He was disruptive in that game right away. And then that injury happened. So, you know, that that's, that's huge for LSU. Someone's going to have to rise to the occasion, whether it's um, Guillory. Uh, Ja'Quilin now has a bigger role as the opposite tackle. Some young guys are going to have to step up. And for LSU, I don't know what that looks like for this defense, right? Especially because now the tape is out there. So, Southern, who's coming off a high, right? 88 to nothing. 86 to nothing, yeah. 86, that's the – bro, they, you can call it a wounded dog, someone back in the corner, the underdog, whatever little Rudy call you have to make for Southern, I am not sleeping. You understand what I'm saying? Because we just lost all this Southern. We can all just look over this Southern. Southern is, let me tell you something. This is the national championship. This is a Super Bowl for Southern. For the first time ever in history, they're coming on LSU's campus to play against <laughs> the Tigers in that atmosphere. Most of these kids at Southern would have loved to play for LSU, but they get to come play at LSU, against LSU. Do expect some brothers coming out there swinging. You understand? They're going to run that rock as the best they can. They're going to call every trick that the tape is out there. You, you can see what to run on LSU. So I look for a lot of corrections from the Tigers as well.
0: I mean, LSU's a 35, uh, I think 36-point favorite, 36-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Um, But, you know, you did lose Allie Gay for the first half because of the targeting penalty that he got. It was good to see Allie reach out to Jordan Travis and, and apologize and, 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 try to, you know, make amends in that way. But that was a discipline play. That was a decision that he made. It wasn't an accidental, um you know, head to helmet, you know, helmet to helmet contact. He launched himself. It was the most obvious, like we see him every week get reviewed and we can him and haul about a lot of them. But that one was clear from a million miles away that he, you know, launched himself into uh, Jordan Travis's head To lose them in the first half, and you talk about this Southern team, no, I don't expect them to win this game. No. But if LSU fails to cover, and we talk about the environment, like you said, you talk about this environment of of a community, Southern folks who have been waiting, like you said, for 100 years, they have never been invited into Tiger Stadium. They've never gotten to play on this kind of stage. Never. Mm -hmm. They are going across town. They ain't going across the country to go take this money game. They're going across town. These are folks who are going to be able to drive up from New Orleans, from stay in the city, from Mississippi, from Texas, coming back from Houston, come back from wherever they came from. And we know also with this with LSU fans, this is a fact. When LSU plays FCS, folks, the games are rarely a sellout. Now they call them sellouts, but folks don't show up because they don't don't want to see this game. They they don't want to see it. So those seats, I would imagine, will be occupied. At least the upper deck, there will be a lot of Southern folks. And like you said, with Florida State, you heard their chant, you're going to hear them Southern folks. And that band is not going to stop playing during the game. Whenever they get an opportunity to blow, they're going to blow and try to create an atmosphere for their team. They're going to try to create a home-type feel. And if you allow Southern to get any kind of advantage early, and take the crowd out of the game, LSU still going to win. I think just you wear them down physically. You're bigger, you're better. But you don't want to put two weeks of bad
1: tape out there. You don't. And, and that's what it really boils down to. Um, you know, a buddy of mine came up to me, man. It's, it better be LSU 50 or nothing on bus. And at first, I'm like, here we go with these expectations because of who we're playing. And what I said, the grub, I, I was like, I get where he's coming from. Like you just mentioned, LSU's more than likely going to win this game. I mean, I saw the predictor on ESP and it's like.
0: Like a 1% chance. They have like 1.3% chance for Southern to win this game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and again, these are people who digged into the data, looked at the depth chart, measured the time. It's not, it's not close. Like I said, it'll have to be a freezing day in hell for this to happen. But it's the tape. It's the successful plays that Southern do have. It's the successful play um, on defense that did with the big stop or interception or forced fumble. Yeah, that, going into Mississippi State, that's not a good look. So you're right. We have to come out and, and set the tone early and often.
0: Because remember the year before the national championship and LSU's first three or four games, you know, they, they, they kind of looked okay against Utah State, you remember? And then they didn't look great against Vanderbilt they beat Vanderbilt but it wasn't pretty and you could tell it was going to be a long season. They won what nine that year, 8 or 9, the year before the championship, but it wasn't a pretty season. Joe Burrow had like 16 touchdowns for the whole year. It was it was it it feels like, you know, you don't want to get into that kind of mode w- this year cuz the projections for LSU right now, they're predicted to win 7 games this season, maybe 8. I think that would you say if they finish with with eight wins this year, I think it's more of a how than the win total. Because like you said, this is the long game. LSU is expecting to win a championship within the first four years of the Brian Kelly era. You're not expecting to be six years, six years, seven. But you say by the time he gets his first full class in and out there should be a national championship. That's what happened with Nick Saban. That's what happened with, uh, uh under, um, uh, uh, less miles. That's what happened under coach. O. it was within them first three, four years. You better get it done. Uh, so I think it's much more about the, how LSU, uh, performs from week to week this season, rather than the outcomes. Cause you, I don't expect them to beat Bama. I don't expect them to beat a Georgia. If they would play a Georgia, you don't expect them to win those games because of the holes that you have but you expect them to be competitive week in and week out. You expect them to show improvement and play their best football when we get to November.
1: Right, and, and and that's where it really starts for LSU this season. No one's expecting them to win against Alabama or Georgia, but we were expecting competitive drives in this Florida game. I only saw two competitive drives. The At last the end, drive you know, very end like that was the 99 yards margin we look competitive to your point florida state would we'll win more with three deep soft defense middle fields open, over and you know cartaz did his one two punch as the oc and, and, and the rest is history so i look, look at it from from that from that pers- perspective as well deep Grub. so um for this lsu team I think the most important thing, more than anything else, is for them to, A, come together as a unit, right? This is times where terrible teams fall apart, start pointing guys, start taking stuff off of their Twitter, and, you know, just all of this. Don't get into that, LSU. It's still a talented group of guys there, and you can win games with the group of guys. We have to get much more physical. I don't know what that means for them in terms of training, but that 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 has to get answered. Uh, And another thing to look at is it happened early, as I mentioned. You have—I'm pretty sure—film study wasn't pretty the first few days of practice. It it wasn't, and in preparation for Southern, just looking at the general, Coach Kelly is. I know he's like, guys, we're approaching this game like we're playing Alabama, so. Hopefully we see that. But but you said something else that really uh, set in with me. You said in the next four years, that's when we're looking for a championship. Whether it's an SEC championship, a national championship, we go to a BCS game, you got to bring that, right? But I think once it turns to being about recruiting and keeping guys in the state, that is the formula. I remember in Coach Ed's first interim year came to yes. Yeah, just come out of New Orleans just we'll get everybody here. Put them, in, put them all in the truck. He said some weird stuff. <laughs> put them all in the truck, Coach. What the heck are you talking about? But I get what he's saying. He's saying, like, we're gonna get all, all the two, three, four, five-star guys from Louisiana to, 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 to let this thing rip. And that's what Coach. And when one of your first hires is Frank Wilson, that lets me know, okay, here's what coach is trying to establish. And you'll have the guys you need in the next two to three years.
0: Yeah, because you, you, what you use the transfer portal is no different than, what I think, when you look at the NFL and free agency. You don't go out to get free agents in the NFL to change your team, there aren't those players that are not typically out there in free agency, but you get them to fill holes. And LSU had a lot of holes left by just the the thing the end of that Ed Orgeron era. You weren't get you missed out on some some vital recruits, guys who who left the program either through transfer um, or who just didn't come to LSU because they they just didn't like the way the program looked. And so, like you said, the the key has always been when LSU is great, it's because they built a wall around the state of Louisiana. They're the only school in the SEC that does not have a school within the state that they compete really, you know, on their level for recruits. There is no second second program. There's no Auburn to Alabama. There's no Georgia Tech to Georgia. There's no Florida State or Miami to Florida, Mississippi to Mississippi State. LSU does not have that challenge. So to be and to have the the kind of quality of players that Louisiana produces year in and year out, putting that wall around the the state of Louisiana is always going to be the biggest thing. And particularly, you know, you had uh, some very highly talented offensive line recruits coming in this year. You're going to have to get that. That was when Coach O took over for Les Miles. What was the first thing he said? We have to have a better offensive line because every year, what they went three straight years where they didn't score a touchdown against Alabama. Remember, there was three straight years with less that they couldn't score a touchdown against Alabama, and that's from the line. It ain't never been about LSU's lack of skill players. It ain't never been that. But but you you do want to see you know like you want to see those that physicality, and it's got to come from that line, and it also. The running backs have to have to be better too at their blocking in the passing game, and they've got to be able to get some extra yards. You can't be settling and and go down easy. You gotta you gotta die hard.
1: You have to. You have to. You have to die hard, and you have to try hard. <laughs> we you look at what Coach Ed Ogeron was able to do in regards to getting the top players coming into you know getting the top players to come to the state and to identify some guys that work for the type of defense coach Terran Duran. It really boiled down to that. But if I'm going to be transparent and I'm really going to look at the real issues, we don't identify in the state early enough the top dog players. I think Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Clemson, Florida State, those teams do a better job at identifying the guys that's right under LSU's nose. I think a lot of times we might have went out of state too much. I think a lot of times we may have overlooked the guy in in state. I think you look over the past, really to the tail end of Coach Miles' years, into now, that's the issue.
0: Bama's footprint in Louisiana is very big.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. Last year, trivia question on the David Grubb show. And David's going to knock it out the park, folks. It's two players that got drafted to Houston. One in the first round, one in the second round. They both played local football in the state. One went to LSU, the other got overlooked and came back and did us a tell. Do you know who these guys are?
0: Well, your first is is Derek Stingley. Ding, ding, ding. And then, uh, oh, now I'm forgetting in the second round. I know who you're talking about, but his name is slipping off the tip of my tongue. But, I mean, again, you know, you talk about Eli Ricks, who, 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 you know, left the program. You could, we could talk about a number of players. You go all the way back. Like I said, to, to um,
1: oh no, this, this is a guy that never made it to the program. yeah. I
0: mean, I'm just saying we could go back to recruits that have been lost too. Um, what's what's the safety? You remember remember the famous um, uh, national TV thing where your boy picked Alabama to safety out of Baton Rouge and um, oh, uh, Landon,
1: uh, Landon, yeah, Landon Collins. You were very close because Landon, um, little brother, played for you high, and I'm talking about Christian Harris. Yeah, Christian. There you go. He's right there. He, he was at U high. Why we didn't get him and and have him play linebacker for us. All. You, you know, we got to him late. Yep. And that's been, we've heard that over the last few
0: years that there have been a lot of guys that never heard from LSU until their senior year. And, and guys in the Baton Rouge area that we've watched at Catholic high, that we've watched at Baton Rouge high, that we watched the Southern Lab who didn't get offers and then go off to other places and do that thing. And, and, and I thought, and I think a lot of people criticized Brian Kelly, his first class. And, and yeah, it's tough when you come in at when he did, but there was such an emphasis on guys outside of the state. Um, when he first came in and going out and finding guys outside of the state that I think they missed out on some, some high school players who just would have wanted to hear from him a little bit earlier, as soon as you know, get those in-house visits, And, and, and I think that that was that they misplayed it a bit. Now we see next year's recruiting class looks fantastic on paper, but you got to secure those guys. We got, you haven't gotten letters signed yet. And if you don't show this year, you know, like that, that level of improvement, because that was a big recruiting game. That was a big recruiting game. It was on national television. It's in your backyard. Your recruits from the New Orleans area were there. Recruits from Baton Rouge area were there. And guys were watching it at home because it was the only game on TV. So I think that there, you know, that was one that you could not um, look bad in. And I think that, it, you know, I, heard, I that, again, we'll see what happens six weeks from now. That's really going to be the tale is what happens six weeks from now.
1: That was a win for David, Dave Johnson. Dave is a guy from Louisiana. He's at Florida State. This is his area. He has a few Louisiana guys on the roster, our receiver. I forget the kid's name, and he has one of our sports athletes, Byron Turner, right? Recruiting in Louisiana and getting those guys to come to Florida State. You go in the Superdome and you beat LSU there, yeah, I think he went home smiling to Tallahassee. As he came home and got that good gumball and went back. because He know he won over some recruits. Cause that's the real game. I mean, once you're in our program, you're in our program. You, you just another lost puppy. But when you are three or four or five star athlete that really fits, you know their mold, they're gonna be on you and they're gonna jock you. So um, I think if LSU continues to tighten up in that area of recruiting, again, my good friend someone who's done an exceptional job recruiting, them, Frank Wilson. You got enough local guys. You have uh and Me and Frank
0: go back to junior high school, man.
1: That's crazy.
0: <laughs> he, he coached my sister in softball, you know, while he was still uh, at Carr um, when he was first, you know, coming out before he got the head coaching job at Perry Walker. Uh, and Frank was – you know, Frank was one of those guys, when I was in the seventh grade, Frank was in the ninth, and I looked up to him because he was – you know, you you know, Frank, I mean, we, we just know him as the kind of guy that he is and, and the, the standards that he demands. And still to this day, you got Ryan Clark talking about him on his podcast. You got Leonard Fournette talking about him. You got I mean, you know, for all the things that 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 can go wrong, hiring Frank Wilson um, on the football side. We I'm not going to talk about what happened off the field, the stuff he's dealing with there. But on the football side, that's a home run every
1: time. It is. He, he he knows the area. Um, you know, I think next to Coach Ed Ozeron, that's that's probably one of the better recruits in my in my, in my time. And you know, he, he's a guy that he knows what he wants, and, and, and Coach Frank goes after what he wants. So I you know I wish him, um, you know him the, the best of luck moving forward with this, along with um, along along with you know those guys from the area. I think, I think that they could could clean up that recruiting piece would be okay.
0: Let me close out on this a little fun stuff. Coach o up in Arkansas, talking to the press club up there touchdown club, uh-huh. whatever uh-huh. <laughs> now, look, I don't blame the man for for his his feelings It's because I would have said I would have thought the same thing too. Somebody told me y'all can go home with seventeen point one million dollars. I ain't fighting you. You know what I'm saying? I get to go home with 17.1. You ain't asking for a buyout. You ain't telling me I got to return nothing. I get all my money and I, and all you're saying is leave now. Okay. Like, yeah, I, that doesn't bother me, but at the same time, I think it shows you why there's a limit. There was a limited shelf life for him because that is not the mentality that most head coaches would come into it you know what i'm saying like it, when even when things are sinking and that that you, you know things ain't right i don't think you get that kind of feeling um from you know whether we talk about nick saban whether we talk about kirby smart whether we t- whoever we are talking about at the top if they had lost their job in that manner like i said i don't blame the man but i think it just shows again some people are better suited as Associate head coaches, coordinators, line coaches, whatever, because of that temperament, and I think we saw out of Coach O. Yeah, he's entertaining, and and he's always going to be loved. Um, but I think it 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 was it was telling in how he approached that, and, and to be as cavalier about it um, in front of a crowd of people not in the state. You know that it's one thing to do it at home, to be in Arkansas and do it. I just thought it was it was it was kind of interesting, and I think it assures you that if he does return to football in some capacity, nobody's taking him as a head coach. You know, I think he has value, but I I don't I can't see him ever being a head coach again.
1: Um, I, I don't I don't know if I would put a bottom dollar on that, and I do understand where you're coming from in regards to how he handled the fire. You know, it's 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 top-end ads that's looking to make serious hires, and you know you go say something like that. So there is still there is still that person um, that exists. But I think with Coach Ed's success record, I think someone if he does want to get back into coaching, I do think a major program would hire him as a head coach, just simply because of the type of track record he has, right? So he's taken, he took over as an interim head coach in USC and was able to get the guys to win. Um, He didn't see a lot of success at Ole Miss and owned it. He corrected it at LSU. So you have a guy, no matter how we cut the cookie, we could say, oh, man, Coach Ed Ogeron was very irresponsible. and You know, I don't think no head coaches should be that way. Or if we say, Someone on the, on the total left, and they're like, nah, man, that's the type of coach you want. I'm somewhere, I'm like, I find it very interesting because it was funny, and it was, you know, that's the guy I know. <clears throat> but looking at it from how everything went down and looking at it from a perspective standpoint, I think he might have felt that his time there. Yeah, been coming to an end, and one thing about being a hometown hero, um, one thing about, about being a hometown hero is, you know, you you have you have, this, you have this 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 setup of being at home and being in a in a in a disposition, and that and that disposition, you know, could could lead you to do some irresponsible things. And I think that's where it fell. That with him, he started to wall out the last few. I mean, you, you could see it. He was smelling himself <laughs> so when he made the comment. It was crazy. He was smelling himself, and but
0: I I think this is the category he gets ends up getting put in is like you remember Larry Coker. Larry Coker was the head coach of maybe one of the two or three greatest college football teams, certainly of the last twenty five years. That Miami team. They win the national championship. They should have won two. They get robbed, you know, against Ohio State on that fourth down call, to pass to the pass interference, which was nonsense. But Larry Coker, when he lost his job at Miami, he never got another major job again. He got some. He got a couple of other head coaching jobs, but he never got a major job because I think the impression was those were Butch Davis's players that he that Butch Davis recruited, and Butch Davis put together so much talent that the third team dudes. On that Miami team, we're getting drafted in the second round. You know what I'm saying? Like, People forget how deep that team really was. And I think that that's what happens for Coach O ultimately is that people are always going to give him credit for that national championship. He had to put it together. He's the one who saw something in Joe Burrow. He's the one who saw something in in some of these guys and was able to change that culture from where guys felt beat down by Les Miles. He gets all the credit in the world for that. But ultimately, I think people are going to say it was a function of the talent and some timing and he's it's, it becomes hard to say this is a guy who can build my program if I'm hiring him. If I'm hiring him, I'm either expecting I'm trying to sell some tickets and get some recruits real fast, you know what I mean, and try to turn something a bad program at a middle level to into a decent program. Because, I mean, look, Terry Bowden had an undefeated seed at Auburn, and he never got another job at a, at, a, at a high level. He's at UL Monroe now. So, I mean, I think it's just you You look at those types of things, and I think that's ultimately what happens with Coach O. Again, I, you can't take that national championship from him. You can't take that season from him. And you certainly can't take that $17.1 million away from him. You yeah,
1: can't tell somebody. You can't, like I said, it's, it's a business and it's a game. These guys have agents. Players don't have agents right now. It's coming soon with the NIL deals. I mean, they got management, but it's it's about delivering and getting you. Because look, Coach Edelbrand had an amazing run. Scott Woodward wanted to go a different direction. Hey, you see that warmup? We're not doing too good. I think Steve wanted can see that do <laughs> crazy. But uh, look, man. Um, He's forever a legend in Louisiana. You know, his story is so out of a magic page in a a movie. So I'm excited for him, man. Well earned, bro.
0: Brother, I appreciate your time. I'm glad we got to do this and and talk to each other. It's always my pleasure to to get to spend some time with you. Let's Let's not let as much time go between visits.
1: I, I agree with you, brother. Thanks for having me on again, man. Thanks for the plugs, man. And look, keep on chopping wood. You're doing an excellent job, my friend.
0: Hey, man. You know we brothers, man. And I, I, I got you. Um, until the next time, you, you can f- always catch him on the Big Fave 504 on social media. Follow him there. Um, of course, Conquer Sports. Go check that out. If you if you if you have an athlete in train who needs some training, Conquer Sports football players. That's where he's training them up. And um, of course, check out his music. Um, he, he's performing. He's selling it. You buy it. Hello, somebody. You know, it's out there, baby. Uh, from the from the from the uh, what's the what's the what's the phrase from the uh, ball of Broadcast. ball of broadcaster. My bad. Um, and you know how to get at me at DM Grub. Um, on on all your social media and, and then you can get me anywhere you get your podcast, and of course Hard to Paint TV on YouTube as well and hitpwithdg.com so until the next time, this has been Hard to Paint. Y'all have a good one.